Welcome to the New Vision Church podcast. New Vision Church is a diverse, Bible-teaching, Jesus-centered church in San Diego, California, and exists to transform people and their communities by replicating followers of the biblical Jesus. Morning. Thanks Welcome for joining us today. Now here's this to, week's sermon. To be with us this morning. If you are new with us this morning, um, we just want to connect with you. Uh, we have a little thing that we do here at New Vision. If you've been with us, you're visiting for the first time, give us three weeks. If New Vision is not the place for you, we'll help you find a place that you can find to worship because we just want you to be plugged in somewhere. But if you're also new with us, um, when you go out and leave, you go out to the left where there's a welcome center. We have a gift for you we want to bless you with um, as you leave here for visiting with us and going from there. So we're going to be in the Gospel of John this morning, John the 20th chapter so if you go to your Bible, there's an Old Testament, there's a New Testament. You go to the New Testament, it's the fourth book into the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. We're going to be in John chapter 20 this morning as we're journeying through the Gospel of John. We've been doing a sermon series called Believe. We're continuing on with that. But my message this morning is titled, A New Day, A New Day. Many of you um, this week might have been riveted to the TV watching the SDSU-UConn National Championship game. Now, now I know, I know as we watch that, that, that there was something about the March Madness tournament, right, that, that happened. In fact, uh, SDSU was never even probably considered to go to the national championship. They were actually the fifth seed in their, uh, in their division. And we know that some miraculous thing happened as the tournament went on, that they began to go into the final four and then make it into the national championship. But they had a journey to go through to get there. They had a process to go to get there. This was like kind of a, SDSU wasn't really a known school. It was an unknown school. And so now what happens is all of a sudden they're beating Alabama, which is the number one seed, to move them into the tournament. No, this school had not had a history of that. In fact, they broke record after record after record because they had never been to, they got to the Sweet 16, then to the eight, then to the four, and then to the one. And you know what? Even though on Monday as we watched the game and there was a lot of emotions going on with it, it was going up and down, we know that SDSU lost that game to UConn. But let me tell you something. Though SDSU lost, they also gained. Because this is what they gained. They gained presence. They gained notoriety. They gained, hey, this ain't no school to mess with. They, actually, it's going to help their recruiting for the next season. So they were put on a map. A school that wasn't on the map is now on the map. Everybody knows SDSU now because they went to the national championship. It was their loss was also their game. Let me tell you, that's the same thing would happen at the resurrection. See, let me tell you a little story. See, this Jesus, he came as a baby. He came in a manger. Nobody knew him, right? He was a supernaturally born baby. And then he rose and we know that he grew up in a place called Nazareth, right? A city, but nobody even knows. Some maps didn't even have Nazareth on their map. It was so small. In fact, they said nothing good could come out of Nazareth, they said in the scriptures. But this young little boy grew with great wisdom and great authority. And he came on preaching about a new kingdom. He said, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. And he began to do mighty miracles. He began to raise from the dead, heal the blind, raise, raise up people, heal the sick, feed the thousands. And then he what? He comes. This unknown little boy is a man. And then he dies. He's buried. He resurrects. And now he's on the map because this gospel, this Jesus is known throughout the world because his death is our gain. 
His death is our victory. And he recruited 12 team players, right? These knucklehead, right, disciples were on his team and he called them to fulfill his mission. Let me tell you something. This story, it's a TV movie story here, right? It starts really in chapter 19. What happens? What's going on to get us to chapter 20? Well, we know that what's going on is he's having a meeting with the disciples and he's talking about how he's going to die, how he's going to go, how he's going to suffer. And he, he ends up breaking bread with them and doing communion, instituting communion. And he even offers communion to Judas, who was going to betray him. And he gives him a little bit of that Passover bread. And he says, go do likewise. And Judas goes off to, to lead the, 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 the soldiers to come arrest Jesus. And then Jesus takes the remaining disciples and they walk outside the gates of Jerusalem, down the Kidron Valley, up to the Garden of Gethsemane where he's praying and the disciples are praying, but they can't just handle it because they keep falling asleep. Can't you just pray for one hour? But then what? Jesus gets arrested. It's late Thursday night going into Friday morning. It was a long weekend for Jesus. It's coming in and guess what? He's there and they get arrested. Peter tries to stop it by cutting off the ear of Malchus, but Jesus heals that man's ear. And then what does he do? He goes to an unjust trial. He's end up going to this unjust trials, going to Pilate, going to Herod, going to Caiaphas, going to the high priest. And in chapter 19, we see him standing before Pilate at the judgment hall, at the judgment seat. And it's here that Pilate's trying to wash his hands of Jesus. He finds nothing wrong with Jesus, but the voices are crying out, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. And what do we see? The pressure and the loudness of the voice overcomes the justice of Pilate's conscience. What happens? He, he ends up turning over Jesus to the people. He, he's hoping that he can, by beating him and scourging him, that they might just have a little compassion to release him. But no, they'd rather have Barabbas than they have Jesus. I find it earlier in the week in chapter 12 of John as he's coming into the Passover week, they're cheering Jesus on. They're saying, Hosanna in the highest. But by the end of the week, they're saying, crucify him, crucify him. And they're trying to wash their hands of the blood of Jesus. But Jesus is now on the cross between two thieves. He's having a conversation. They're both starting off with what? If you're really God, get us down from here. Isn't that what we pray sometimes when we get in trouble? If you're really God, get us out of this situation. But one realizes his own brokenness, his own sin nature, and he says, Jesus, remember me. And Jesus said, I will remember with you, and you're with me in paradise. One makes a decision for God. One chooses and rejects God. It's here at the cross that we find Mary, the mother of Jesus, and three other women with there, and, and, and John at the foot of the cross. The other disciples have fled but these four women at the foot of the cross, Jesus, bruised and beaten, swollen, unrecognizable, looks down and says to John, his beloved, here's your mother, mom, here's your son. Jesus caring for his family at that moment on the cross. And then he says, it is finished. It is finished. And he gives up the ghost. He gives up the spirit. In a distance, you had... Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea in a garden looking over. If you go to Israel today, there's a, a garden tomb where Jesus was buried and you could see Golgotha. You could see a mountain that looks like a skull where the, they were crucified. Mount Moriah where earlier in the Old Testament, Abraham tries to sacrifice Isaac as a picture of what was to come. 
and they're preparing the tomb. And this man, Joseph, secretly goes to Pilate and says, can I have the body of Jesus? And Pilate gives him the body. They prepare him for the burial. They have a gravesite search, and they lay the Passover lamb in the tomb, and they close the tomb. This brings us into chapter 20 of where we are on Resurrection Sunday as we look at the story. I want to read that this morning to you. John, the 20th chapter, starting at verse 1. And we run through 18 this morning. It says this. Now, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw the stone had been taken away from the tomb. Then she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciples whom Jesus loved and said to them, they have taken away the Lord out of the tomb and we do not know where they have laid him. Peter therefore went out and the other disciples going to the tomb. So they both ran together and the other disciple outran Peter and came to the tomb first. And he stooping down, looking in, saw the linen cloths lying there yet he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him, and he went into the tomb and saw the linen clothes lying there and the handkerchief that had been around his head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded together in a place by itself. Then the other disciples who came to the tomb first went in also and saw and believed, and for as yet they did not know the scriptures that he must rise again from the dead. Then the disciples went away again to their own homes. But Mary stood outside by the tomb weeping as she wept. She stooped down and looked in the tomb. And she saw two angels white, two angels in white sitting, one at the head and the other at the feet where the body of Jesus had lain. Then they said to her, women, why are you weeping? She said to him, because they have, not, they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Now when she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there and did not know it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? She supposing him to be the gardener said to him, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary, she turned and said to him, Rabboni, which is, which is to say teacher. And Jesus said to her, do not cling to me for I have not yet ascended to my father, but go to my brethren and say to them, I am ascending to my father and your father and to my God and your God. And Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken these things to her. Let's pray. Father, heaven, we pray for this morning. Father, we pray that we've read your word. Father, you said there's a blessing in the hearing your word and the reading of your word. So I know you have a blessing for your people this morning. Lord, I pray this morning as we study your word, as we look at your resurrection, Father, we ask that you would speak to our hearts this morning, that you would give us direction, you would give us clarity, you would give us understanding. Father, you would speak to our hearts this morning that, Father, you have something for us. So I'm praying this morning that you deposit something into your people that's transforming, that's revelation, that's spiritual, that it transforms our hearts and our mind. I pray these things believing in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. We're going to look at two things this morning. Here's the first thing as we talk about a new day. Bad news for the new day. We see that in verses here, 1 to 10. Now, a couple of weeks ago, we were horrified by the death and the shooting at that Christian school in Tennessee. We watched as the news as it played out as the police went out and they showed it and, and the shootout that happened at the school and there were six people that were killed. Three were kids and three were adults. The pastor hears the news as a shooting in his school. He's already traumatized. He's already troubled by what he hears about what's going on only later to find out 
that one of the children that was killed was actually his daughter, his nine-year-old daughter. Can you imagine that? You're, you're already grieving for what's going on, and you personally have been affected by that. Today is Easter Sunday. Today, this pastor most likely had to get on the pulpit and preach about a resurrected Jesus, only to realize a week earlier he's just buried his daughter. What kind of grieving is that? What, what kind of brokenness does this pastor have? But we have a pastor who believes in a resurrected Jesus. We have a pastor that understands that his daughter is sitting in the presence of a resurrected Jesus. We have a, we have a, a God and a pastor that understands that Jesus is holding up the little ones because he said, let the little ones come unto me. We have a God that is a comforting God. So I know this pastor doesn't grieve like he has no hope. Because what happens today at the resurrection gives us hope. We find the same thing in John, the 20th chapter. We have a woman, Mary Magdalene, coming to the tomb who's weeping and crying because when she gets in there, she sees that there's an empty tomb. And she's grieved by it. And she's kind of processing that. And, and it's a bad day already. It's been a bad weekend. She comes to the tomb and then the tomb is open and there's no body and it's gone bad to worse as she's weeping in this tomb that we see going on this morning. You know what? Life is like that. Sometimes life goes from bad to worse. We, can, we will feel the pain of life. The loss of a friend to, to cancer. A friend that dies on an overdose from fentanyl. Mother had a miscarriage. Family member killed in a car accident. We know that death stings. We know that death hurts. Death is a, a reality in in our culture. And so Mary has been stung a little bit by the death of the one she worshiped. Mary's at the site of the one she loved. And now this site, this tomb has been vandalized and she's feeling the trauma of it all. But the story isn't over for there's a new day. <laughs> there's a new day. We could end the story right now and we could go home weeping and crying because that's what a lot of people do when they get in their troubles and difficulties. They end it right there and walk away. But God is a God of hope. He's a God of hope. And so Mary here, Mary Magdalene has a, a sad discovery. We see that in verses one and two, right? On the first day of the week, Mary men went to the tomb early. It was a sunrise event. And while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb, that she ran and came to Simon Peter and the other disciples whom Jesus loved and said to them, they have taken away the Lord out of the tomb and we do not know where they have laid him. It says it was the first day of the week. The first day of the week. Why do we celebrate and have worship services on Sunday? Because that's the first day of the week. The reason we do that is because that's the resurrection day. And so we come as a church and celebrate and worship. They, many would worship on the Sabbath. The Jews would worship on sundown on Friday to sundown on Saturday. That was their Sabbath. That was their worship time. In fact, Seventh-day Adventists still practice that practice today. They worship from Saturday to Sunday. They have it on Saturday service instead of Sunday. But we worship on Sunday because that's the day that Jesus resurrected. He's already begun to change and have influence by what he's done. But I want you to understand that our worship Worship is just not designated to a particular day in time. Worship is 24-7. Worship is what we do every day. Worship is honoring God. Worship is giving value to what we do. And so we see that playing out. But here, Mary Magdalene 
is coming to the tomb. It's early. It's about sunrise. We had a, a worship service early this morning. We had a sunrise service. We had the, the curtains opened up here, and we could see the sunrises. We had an early service this morning to usher in the resurrection of Jesus. But Mary, she comes early in the morning. Why? Because Mary was the last one at the foot of the cross of Jesus, and Mary is the first one at the grave of Jesus. And it's early in the morning because you know why? She has a love for Jesus. But John gives us the impression, John gives us the impression that she came by herself. But if you read all the Gospels, because the Gospels, all the Gospels give the account of this story, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, give an account of the resurrection story, we read something very different. Actually, it says that she was accompanied by other women. And that these women that were at the cross were with, with Mary Magdalene bringing spices and for, Je for Jesus' burial. Maybe Joseph and Nicodemus didn't finish the process for the burial of Jesus because they were in a hurry to get the body in the tomb because it was the Passover. And so they come looking to finish the, the burial process, finish the, the preparation of the body. Now, people will say, well, Pastor Pete, there's already a conflict here. The Bible has contradictions. Well, John says it was only her that went to the tent, to the tomb. But the other one says there were other ladies. Oh, there's a contradiction. No, look at verse two. Verse two says, when they went to go see Peter and John, it says, we want to tell you what, it uses the plural, alluding to there were other people there with Mary. There's no contradictions in the Bible. It's plain and clear, right? These women are at the, at the tomb of Jesus you know what sustains us in the good days and the bad days, in the good news and the bad news? Is the presence of Jesus. It being in the presence of Jesus. You know, when you go, when somebody passes, you go to a memorial service. And you might even go to a gravesite service. And after that service is done, you probably never go back to that place again. You probably never go to the gravesite, but not with these women. They went and they're at the grave of Jesus, remembering who Jesus is. They weren't forgetting who he was, right? Things may seem a little dark for them right now as they're at the grave site, but a new day is coming, a new dawn is coming. So don't ever be impatient with Jesus. Don't ever be impatient with Jesus. He is working things out for the good. See, let me tell you something. She's discovering something this morning, right? When she arrives at the tomb, the stone had been rolled away. Now, you got to cross-reference because Matthew gives us more of the details. When they buried Jesus and Nicodemus and Joseph buried Jesus, the religious leaders concerned and heard that Jesus was going to come again, that the, either the disciples were going to take the body or that he was going to resurrect. They already believed something was going to happen. So they went to Pilate, and they said to Pilate, look, we're concerned about this. Can you put some guards? So Pilate ends up putting some Roman guards at the tomb, and they sealed the tomb with Roman guards. Matthew tells us on Easter Sunday this morning that there was an earthquake. And the earthquake shook the ground, and there was an angel that rolled away the stone. And so what happens, by the time that Mary Magdalene get to the tomb, the stone had already been removed. You know what? God always makes a provision to get in the presence of Jesus. God will do the supernatural to get you into the presence of Jesus. And so the stone has been rolled away. But I think that in Mary Magdalene's mental distress, 
about Jesus' whereabouts. Something's happening here. In fact, um, we don't fully get the full pictures of things that are playing out with her mind, right? Um, she's concerned that somebody's taken the Lord's body. You know what we do when we see bad things? We always go to the worst, right? We always take it to the worst. Think about it for a moment. She, in her mind, right, somebody's stolen the body, not realizing all that that's being transpired. She could only go to the negative. She could only go to the worst, right? I think people who have naturally do that, they'll make a, a false judgment about somebody or they'll, they'll, they'll even make false judgment about the church and what the church should be and what the church isn't, right? Why? Because they don't have the full information. They don't have the, the understanding of all that's going on. Mary's take on the whole situation was that the grave has been robbed. There were grave robbers and someone's stolen the body and we don't know where he is at. That's her take on the situation. But I think she's blinded by the pain of her loss. Because in Matthew's gospel, it tells us a little bit more detail. It says that when there was a, the earthquake happened and they rolled away the stone, there was an angel that rolled it, rolled away the stone in Matthew 28. And what happens is that Mary goes there and she has the first encounter with an angel. And the angel says to her, what are you looking for? You're not going to find the living among the dead, right? He has risen. Now go tell the disciples. Now, she hears that and sees the tomb. When she takes off and runs to go tell Peter and John, she doesn't mention that Jesus has risen from the dead. She just mentions that somebody has taken the body of Jesus. You know what that tells me? is that we can hear the, the gospel story, the resurrection story, and miss it, right? We can hear it, we can hear it and miss it. And she's only blinded by her pain. Many of you have been invited to church over and over. You've been prayed for, been invited. And I'm praying this morning you have ears to hear, not just to see. That is my heart this morning that you would hear that God is calling your name this morning. Why? Because faith comes by hearing, hearing the God. We walk by faith and not by sight. Mary at this moment was walking by sight and she missed the message. You can look all around you and say, man, this is a crazy world. And we could look with our eyes and fail to see that Jesus has a new day, that Jesus is still here in the mix to make things work for the good, right? But then you see Mary leaves and she goes to the disciples and gives a word of what she has seen. And we see Peter and John's urgency to find out what happens. We see that in verses three to seven. And Peter therefore went out and the other disciple, the other disciple is John, the author of this book, and who are going to the tomb. And so they both ran together and the other disciple outran Peter and came to the tomb first. And he stooping down and looking and saw the linen cloths lying there. Yet he did not go in. And then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb and saw linen cloths lying there and the handkerchief that had been around his head, not lying with the linen cloth, but folded together in a place by itself. We see these two disciples running to the tomb. They're sprinting to the tomb. Must have been an exhausting morning because there's a lot of running going on in the story. <laughs> a lot of running going on, right? Mary ran to meet Peter and John to share about what's going on. Peter and John are running back to the tomb. 
Man, that's an exhausting morning. I'm already tired. I was up early this morning for this morning service. We've been running all morning, right? And they're exhausted this Easter morning. But what we find here is that John reaches the tomb first. Now, this is crazy because John is the younger and Peter's the older. The story says that Peter took off first. So Peter's huffing it to the tomb and here's young John going <laughs> and passes him because it says John gets to the tomb before Peter. And then Peter's like, all right. You know what I mean? They're running to the tomb. But it says that John gets to the tomb, but he doesn't go inside the tomb. He stops and he sees and looks in and he sees and he says he saw the linen inside folded neatly. The body part and then the headpiece separate, folded neatly there. John must have been in good condition because he sure outran Peter. Hmm. I want to do a side note here because what we don't see in John's gospel is that Luke tells us that when Mary goes to tell Peter and John about what she saw and the message she received, it says that Peter and John didn't believe her. Didn't believe her. In fact, in that culture in that time, women weren't looked upon very highly. And so the testimony of a woman wasn't often received because it was incredible. But this woman, Mary Magdalene, was persistent in proclaiming about what she saw. Listen, people, church, we have to be persistent in our proclaiming. We have to be persistent in saying, you know what? Not everybody's going to understand and not everybody's going to believe right away. But we need to be persistent in what we know to be true. And so she was persistent. And in her persistency, they responded to go to the tomb. And I know you guys hearing this, and you're saying, yeah, there'd be a lot of people persisting driving me nuts, those Christians. <laughs> well, we're, we're grateful you're here uh, uh, this morning, right? But it says that John arrived in the tomb, but he doesn't go in, but he peeks in, in verse 5, right? We see the personality of John a little bit. God's been doing this great work in John. If you know John, John is the brother James. James and John, right, the sons of Zebedee, they were known as the sons of thunder because they had a temper, and when Jesus came into Samaria and they wouldn't accept Jesus, they wanted to bring fire down from heaven and say, Jesus, can we just bring fire down from heaven and make these people crispy critters? The judgment of James and John. But over the process of time, Jesus said, he calls John the one whom Jesus loves. John, if you go to first, second, or third, John wrote about, more about love than other, any other thing because God was transforming his heart from this angry, tempered, quick-tempered guy to softness by the Spirit. And we see this. So John comes running. This is the end of, obviously, the end of Jesus' ministry. He's already in the grave, and he stops at the grave, and, and it says that he, he looks into the tomb. Maybe John didn't run fully into the tomb because, remember, the last time we find John, John, he's at the foot of the cross looking up at Jesus who's badly, brutally beaten and hanging to the point the Bible Isaiah says he's unrecognizable. That his eyes are so swollen, his body so ripped apart from the scourging, he was unrecognizable. Maybe John didn't want to go into the tomb because he didn't want to see the body that was so mangled that he had pictured in his mind. There are images that we put in our mind that we wish we would have never put in our mind. And here, John is maybe saying, I don't want to go in there, man. The last thing I saw was an unrecognizable savior that was brutally beaten. And maybe that's what hindered him from entering. But it says that John stooped down 
and saw the linen cloths lying there. In fact, the word saw there means he saw the burial clothes, that he visibly saw the clothes that was folded in an orderly fashion. As he's looking in, he sees that here comes Peter huffing and puffing. And he, he comes in and he passes John and he runs right into the tomb. He doesn't even stop. That's the impulsiveness of Peter, right? If you know and studied the life of Peter, he would always open his mouth before he thought. He'd always do stupid things and have to swallow his own words. And Peter is impulsive, runs right in, not even realizing, you don't even know who's in that tomb. You don't know what's going on, you know? And he runs right into the tomb. But it says that he also saw the linen. That's a different Greek word. Actually, that word saw means to, that he saw the linen means to, 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 to look at and to, to examine or to scrutinize and examine for authenticity. Is this legit? Is this for real? Is this burial cloth really Jesus? He just said, I'm just not taking it. I'm, I want to check it out. And some of you think like that. You're like, I want to check out this Jesus before I believe in Jesus. And that's okay. Scrutinize him. Examine him. That's exactly what the priests did when they began to question his authority. By what authority? They're examining to see if he's really will because in order to be the Passover lamb, he had to be without spot and without, without blemish. And he passed because he was authentic. And now Peter's coming and says, I see, I see, this is legit. This is for real. We know that it was, the linen was laid there on the stone. I've been in that tomb. When you go to Israel, I've been in that tomb. And you, you go in and, 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 and it's not a, it wasn't a ripped up cloth. It wasn't shredded. It wasn't like there had been somebody havoc in the tomb. It was all done orderly in fashion. The, 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 the tunic, the linen, and then the headpiece were separate, right? Peter and John now are both at the tomb. We see that here. What we see happen is that Peter and John, I love this, in a matter of three days, something supernatural happened in the relationship between Peter and John because John is at the foot of the cross. He's there in the presence of Jesus, but Peter has denied Christ. He thought is not there. And sometime between Friday and Sunday, they got together because now they're together. I find it very interesting. Sometimes in the body, there could be schisms or disagreements or all these different things, but we're called to reconcile our relationships. We're called to put together because these two are now experiencing the resurrection experience together because somewhere between the last 48 hours that God's worked something out in their heart. He's put it to, together. You know, let me tell you something. John was gracious to Peter. He could have said, dude, where were you? I was at the cross. Where were you at? You're supposed to be our leader. Never did he say that. We see the graciousness of John. The Bible says we're called to love our brothers. We're called to love one another. You know, we all have faults in this room. We all have imperfections, right? But they're going to experience this new day together. And they're going to take, and God will use our own imperfection to still use us because God's grace is sufficient. The Bible says what? It says, forgive or you will not be forgiven. And we see that displayed by John and Peter in their relationship. But look at this. Peter and John had this process of belief. There was a process to come into faith. Look at 8 through 10. It says this, then the other disciples who came to the tomb first, went in also and saw and believed. He's talking about John the apostle there. 
for as yet they did not know the scriptures that he must rise again from the dead. Then the disciples went away again to their own homes. Mm. This sad day to bring out a good day was a process to build their faith. It was a process of building their faith. Look, look at the process. John goes to the tomb and it says that he saw, he visibly saw the clothes. That's the word saw. He visibly saw the tangible clothes. Peter goes running into them and says he saw the clothes and he examined them for authenticity. And then it says, then John came after him into the tomb and then he saw for himself. And it says, and he believed. But the word saw translated in the Greek is a different word from the first two saw. It means, I get it. I believe. The aha moment. I got spiritual revelation. This is legit. And I accept it because it says that John believed. It says that John believed. What was the purpose of John's writing? He's saying, I believe. You all the way go down the same chapter, chapter 20, here in verse 20. It says at the end of it, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life in his name. That was the purpose of, this, of him writing this book. He's writing this book and he's telling his story about this resurrection. And he goes, my goal is because that moment in the open tomb, I believed, and I'm asking that you believe also, that you believe this story. John doesn't want you just to have head knowledge. He wants you to own your own faith. They believed, but still they didn't fully know the full meaning of it all. <laughs> they says they didn't fully understand all the scriptures. How can that be? These guys walk with the word of God. Jesus was the word became flesh. For three and a half years, he talked. In fact, three times he told them, I'm going to die. I'm going to be scourged. I'm going to be buried, and I'm going to raise again. And in fact, he says, when it's all said and done, meet me in Galilee. He even told them where to find him. And the, and the reality of all that, it just went over like water off a duck's back. It says, I don't, I don't understand. I don't understand. That's why we need the Spirit to teach us, right? Life, life is growing in experiences. We learn by the experiences we face in life. Like, and we don't have all the answers to life, but we learn while we grow. Same when we walk with Jesus. We learn as we grow, and it takes faith. What it tells me is I don't fully have to understand everything to believe. That's why we need faith. That's why the writer of the book of Hebrews says this, without faith, it's impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he, he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. There's a reward for you being here. There's a reward for you seeking him. There's a promise given to those who seek God. It starts with faith. So that's the bad news that they're working. God's still working out. But here's the second part, guys. Good news for the new day, right? God knows your name. He knows your name. You ever send a text out? You send somebody a text, and then their response was, who's this? I feel so comforted, so loved, so, so well-known, right? I'm already forgotten, right? I like, look it, I have four kids. Uh, I have three daughters and a son. And as I get older, I even get my kids' names all backwards and wrong. And I, they've been with me like, oh, like, Marissa, Cassie, I mean, uh, Erica, I mean, like, like Dad, I'm, I'm not Cassie, I'm Erica. You know what I mean? So, so I, I, sometimes I'm more good with faces than I am uh, with names, right? In the story, in the resurrection story, Jesus has time with a woman who loves him, and he calls her by name. He knows her name. Guys, do you realize 
that when you get to heaven, that you're going to get a new name? Only your name. There's not going to be two Pete's. There's not going to be two John's. And that name is going to be etched in stone, a white stone. Let me read you Revelation 2.17. It says, to him who overcomes. It's talking about for us to hold on to the faith and stick with Jesus. To him who overcomes, I will give some of the hidden manna to eat. And I will give him a white stone. And on the stone, a new name written, which no one knows except him who receives it. Guys, do you see that? That God knows you so much that he's going to know you in heaven personally. He's not going to mix you up. You ain't going to be a social security number. You ain't going to be an ID number. You ain't going to be any of that. He's going to know your name personally. Now, people know our name personally when we get in trouble, right? (laughs) Peter Anthony Contreras. Oh, I'm snap. I'm in trouble, right? When you get in trouble, your grandma, your mom call out your name and they use the middle name in it, right? You know you're in trouble. Well, that's not going to happen to heaven, right? Because God's going to know your name and he knows Mary's name in the story. The Bible says he not even knows her name, he knows the number on her head. So he knows some of you more than others. Okay. Listen, listen. You can write me an email later. Okay. The Lord knows exactly what you need to be comforted for this new day. Some of you are here because someone called you or texted you or handed you a flyer. You've been invited because we want you to know the name. We want, us to, we want to know your name, but we also want you to know the name of Jesus because the name of Jesus knows your name, right? But what we do is Peter and John leave. They go back home, but Mary's still at the tomb. Mary's still there, and Mary's weeping over her loss. Look at verses 11 through 13. But Mary stood outside the tomb weeping. As she wept, she stooped down and looked into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting, one at the head and the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus laid. Then they said to her, woman, why are you weeping? And she said to him, because they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Mary weeping at the tomb again. She has this abiding relationship with Jesus. Peter and John are gone. But let me tell you why Mary's weeping. Because Mary loved Jesus. This is the same Mary that was, Jesus cast out seven demons. She was demonized. She had her own personal demons. Yet God came and set her free from her past. Set her free from her mess. She was physically tormented. She was emotionally tormented, right? She was held captive by demonic spirits. I think people today don't realize, even in their own addictions, how demonic that can be. That they've tried to break free of these things, but they can't. Because some of those things have to be only broken by spiritual power, right? Some of us have been to AA and all these AAs and AAA and whatever A. Right? And for years, you're going trying to get free of your addictions. But some of those addictions are demonic. In fact, the word that for drugs is the same word in the Greek pharmacy, where we get the pharmacy, pharmacy, the word pharmacy, which is the same word for sorcery. And because of that, people have been in bondage to these addictions, whether whatever that addiction is, whatever it's porn, whatever it's drugs, whatever it's overeating, these things can be binding. And you're like, 
You feel like you're getting beat up every day because you seem you can't even overcome. But the Bible says some of this brokenness has to come only by prayer and fasting. You remember when Jesus was on the mountain with Peter, James, and John, he comes down the mountain and his disciples are there and a father brought his, his son to, to cast out demons. They couldn't. They couldn't cast them out. And Jesus said, oh, you have little faith. And he says to the father, do you believe? And he says, yes, I believe. But he says, help my unbelief. And then he, Jesus prays over that, that child and he gets delivered from the demons. And guess what happens? She's delivered. That person delivered. He comes to the right mind. And the disciples, well, how come we couldn't cast this demon? Because this could only be done by prayer and fasting. See, there is only a spiritual answer to some of the strongholds in your life that only Jesus can break. And I don't care how much counseling you get. I don't care how much that is. I'm not, I'm not against it. There are people that need that sometimes. There are people that might need medication. But sometimes before I go to a counselor, I want to go to the counselor. Before I go to the doctor, I want to go to the physician. Before I go to anyone, I want to go to him first because he created our bodies. He created our minds. He created who we are. He's the designer. He's the architect. He's all of that. And so because of that, I'm going to trust him in all things. We often go to the needs of men before we go to the needs of God. We often believe the words of men before we believe the words of God. And it's in the healing of God's word that he transforms us. And so what we got going here is that she's emotionally, this, this woman, Mary, was so bound up with her own issue, she couldn't be set free. It's like the woman who had been beating for 38 years, went to all the doctors, spent all her money, and nobody could help her, and just one touch of Jesus' garment healed her. Maybe it's just one touch of Jesus' garment today, this morning, will touch you and heal you. And we see that being played out here, right? I'm so amazed at all the things that's going on with suicide right now, young people and depression and anxiety. We had prayer and fasting, and these young kids were coming and saying, I have depression, I have anxiety, and I feel suicidal. I'm hearing voices. Man, COVID just put everything out of whack. The isolation. The isolation was supposed to be for your, for your, to destroy you. The enemy wanted to isolate you, to destroy you. But listen, the body, we need to be in community so God's healing could take place. Mary is weeping in fact, the word weeping here is the word to lament or to wail. She wasn't crying silently. She was weeping uncontrollably. She was wailing because her healer was gone. He was gone. But in her weeping, she sees an angel. She sees angels. In her weeping, she sees these ministering spirits. In fact, the Bible says that she stood down and looked in and saw the angels. The humility of Mary the humility of Mary. Notice the position of the angels, one sitting at the head and one sitting at the feet. Very interesting. It's a picture of the tabernacle in the Old Testament. Ladies, you've been studying the book of Hebrews. You've been studying the tabernacle. My wife's been teaching through that with you, right? When you, the tabernacle was God's mobile home for worship. It was God's Old Testament church, all right? And in there, in the the place of worship, there was a holies of holies. In the holies of holies was the Ark of the Covenant, right? For those Raiders of Lost Ark fans, you know the Ark of the Covenant, okay? If you don't know the Bible, you might know that movie, okay? So there's the Ark of the Covenant in there, the Ten Commandments, the Rod of Aaron, all that. And on top of that is a, is a lid, we call it the mercy seat, okay? The mercy seat is also has two angels that come like this, 
right? Two angels, one to the top, one to the bottom, two angels. And in the middle is where God's presence would be. They call that just kind of glory. His presence would be there, right? And every year, once a year, the high priest would enter into the holies, holies, and pour blood, a sacrificed blood would come on it for the forgiveness of the sins of the people. When she's looking into the tomb, that's like the holies of holies, the angel of the head and at the foot and the, the cloth is where the atonement was resurrected and defeated by the blood of the lamb. You see the presence of God in the tabernacle, in the tomb. She's seeing that as getting a picture of all that's going on. And as she's looking in, her mind is captivated by that. She hears a voice. What are you weeping? What are you weeping for? Why are you weeping? The angel's talking to her, right? And she begins to personalize her own experience as the angel's speaking. Why are you weeping? And she says, someone has taken, here it is. If you have your Bible, your notepad, your phone, here it is. I want you to catch this. Someone has taken my Lord. Someone has taken my Lord. Like she, she is like, this is the only thing I have. She had such a deep relationship with Christ because she didn't, you know what? She saw the angels, but she didn't bow down and worship the angels. You know, if I saw an angel, people see angels, they like, they want to like kiss its feet. They want to put statues to it. They want to do all this crazy stuff, right? She didn't do that. She just, rec- she heard a voice. She heard that. And she goes, somebody take it, my Lord, because Jesus is all she had and Jesus is all she needs. And yet Mary, when Jesus appeared, didn't recognize him. Right? Look at 14 and 15. Now, when she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there and did not know it was Jesus. And Jesus said, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? And she supposed him being the gardener and said, sir, if you had carried him away, tell me where you have laid him and I will take him away. Now, the last time Mary saw Jesus, he was on a cross. Beaten, they were so unrecognizable. So now Jesus is coming in his glorified state and she doesn't recognize them. This is the same glorified state that we see on the Mount of Transfiguration when, he's, when he transformed his body before Peter, James, and John in his glorified state just to give the disciples a sneak preview of what heaven's gonna look like. Now Jesus is standing before her in his heavenly body and she doesn't recognize him. And Jesus is speaking to her. Why are you weeping? What are you looking for? Now, I don't know what Jesus is wearing, but she, she thinks he's the gardener, right? <laughs> Listen, you remember after Jesus' death, there are two men on the road to Emmaus. They're walking, going to Emmaus, and Jesus drops in after the resurrection on them. Boop! They don't recognize him. And they're talking, and Jesus says, tell me what's going on. Oh, you haven't heard? You haven't heard about the Jesus? And they tell the whole story about what happened to Jesus and death and, his, and all that. And then they get to the next town, and then what do they do? He, they invite Jesus to stay and have a meal together, and then they say they have a little communion service, and they break the bread and the wine, and at that moment, it says their eyes were opened, and they realized who they were, and they said, was our not heart stirred when he was with us? I find it very interesting. It was at the communion. It was at the crucifixion. It was at the blood that they recognized who Jesus is. Right now, Mary doesn't recognize the resurrected Jesus. She, she thinks he's the, the gardener, right? Maybe he's wearing the gardener outfit, okay? Maybe the emblem is the true vine gardening. No, I don't know what, what Jesus is wearing right now, but she thinks it's the gardener. And Mary's still asking for the body of Jesus. Her, her, her heart and mind still veiled, still veiled about where Jesus is. In fact, if you know where he's laid, 
show me so I could take him. She loved us. She wanted to take. How big is Mary? Couldn't have been that big carrying this body of Jesus. But you know what? God will give us whatever we need for the moment to do what we need. She's loved Jesus so much, she was willing to carry his dead body around to care for that body. That's what she, she wanted. But Jesus will reveal himself through unexpected people, right? Jesus might be the person that your neighbor's saying, hey, would you come to church? Might even be your gardener. Might be your boss. Might be a fellow friend. Might be a student. Wherever you go about your day, God sends unexpected people to reveal Jesus to you. You're here today because somebody invited you to reveal Jesus to you. That's why you're here, right? But Jesus knows your name, and he knows your number. And we see that in 16 to 18. Jesus said to her, Mary, she turned and said to Rabboni, which is to say teacher, Jesus said to her, do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my father, but go to my brethren and say to them, I am ascending to my father and your father and to my God and your God. And Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken these things to her. Mm. Uh, see, when you read the Bible, read it with every single mark in it. He, he said, Mary, notice the explanation point on there. He didn't say, hey, Mary. He said, Mary, exclamation points, right? And that awakened her drowsiness. It awakened her, she'd been up all morning. It's been a long morning. She'd been running and it's early and she's tired. Oh, Mary. Guys, when you read the Bible, sometimes you read it in black, white, but I'm asking to read it in color. You don't read it in, you got to read it in, in HD. You know what I'm saying? Because sometimes you read the scripture and you read through them, but you don't know what it's saying. How many have read the Bible and said, I didn't even know what I just read? Right? She, he, Jesus is speaking and it awakens Mary, right? I love this. Jesus preached one word, Mary, and she made a confession. That's a good preacher right there. Right? One word, boom. She's saying, Jesus, Rabboni, teacher. But why? Because the sheep hear his voice. Jesus is calling each of you this morning, but what are you calling him? Is he your Lord and Savior? Is he your friend or is he just a stranger because you don't recognize him? He's calling your name, right? And then Jesus gives Mary a mission here again. Gives Mary a mission, right? Go preach the resurrection to the disciples. They need to be awakened to the truth too, right? And he says, Mary, when she, when, when she said Mary, Mary just went, Phew! And started hugging on Jesus. My Lord. And she's gripping and hugging. And I can, I'm like, he's like, probably like this. It's like, what the? And she's probably kissing because some believe that this might have been the Mary that went into the Pharisee's house that broken up the alabaster alarm, wiped Jesus' feet, kissed his feet. And the religious leader said, if you knew this woman, you wouldn't let her be doing what you're doing. And Jesus told a parable about the forgiveness of sin. And basically said, when much is forgiven, right? When forgiven much, you love much. Like, people, when you understand your forgiveness, when you understand the atonement, when you understand the significance of the cross, you're gonna, you don't care what people think when you worship Jesus. You don't care when you raise your voice. You don't care when you lift up your hand. But the problem is people don't know Jesus and never touched They have never tasted Jesus and found that he's good. And so here she's just hugging, hugging on Jesus. Maybe he's like, you're suffocating me, woman. Come on. I don't want to let go. And Jesus says, now Jesus isn't being rude. Jesus isn't being rude here. He's not saying, get off. He's not like, get off of me. We ain't doing that. That's not what he's doing here, right? Like, you're like a Klingon. 
you Trekkie people, Klingons, come and go, get, get off, right? Because I know you want to be dependent, but I got a mission. I got a purpose. And I, I want to send you on this mission. I want you to go tell the disciples what you've seen. Go tell them what you know and what you've seen. That's what he's giving, right? Jesus is using the testimony of a woman about his resurrection. That's countercultural, right? A woman's testimony, I said earlier, wasn't allowed in the court of law at that time. And yet Jesus chose a woman to proclaim his resurrection. He chose a woman to preach the gospel. If this, if this wasn't true, if this story wasn't true, they would have never mentioned this in the gospel because the woman's testimony wouldn't have helped them. It wouldn't have helped them. So Jesus says, I'm using this woman who's countercultural, who people thought was jacked up from the floor up, to do my work. Thank you, Jesus. There's hope for us that God has chosen us this morning. And then Jesus says, go to my brethren. I love that. Go to my, my brethren, reference to the disciples, and give them hope because they're hiding, because they're afraid of the Jews. You read that later in the passage in 20, right? And in obedience and love for Jesus, she goes to the disciples and shares all that she had seen and heard. But Jesus still calls the disciples his brothers. Our brothers and sisters, in spite of their failures, Jesus is being the older brother. <laughs> He's being the older brother here. What a hope there is for us to be a part of the family of God in spite of our own shortcomings. As I close this morning, as I close this morning, it's Easter Sunday. Parents, you probably have got Easter bag, Easter baskets for your kids and put all their eggs in this morning. You know why Mary was weeping? Because she put all her, basket, all her eggs in one basket. She put all her eggs in one basket and they weren't goose eggs. She had everything. That was, that's what faith is, guys. It's our whole life in this thing. We're either all in or we're not. You can't half-step it. It doesn't work if you're half-stepping it. You either got to be in all. Like Jesus said, there's a line drawn. You're either with me or you're for, not we, for me or you're against me. He, Jesus drew the line in all that. But he, he didn't say, I'm going to draw the line. And I'm not going to be with you. He said, I draw the line. Come join me. <laughs> He didn't, he didn't draw the line that says, go by yourself and I'll catch you later. No, he said, I draw the line, but I'm going to be in you. He didn't just draw the line and say, come follow me and then give me the resource to come follow him. What kind of God is that? He's called Emmanuel, God with us. And that's who he is this morning. So I leave you to remind you of the three things this morning about this story, Mary Magdalene's story. Bad news isn't always what it appears to be. God is working it out for the good. Here's the second thing. God knows is that Jesus is alive. He redeemed us and knows our name. And lastly, great news is that Jesus uses the imperfect to fulfill his mission to share the good news. To share the good news. I want to take a moment this morning. Maybe you're here for the first time. Maybe this is the first time you've heard of the story of Mary Magdalene. Maybe the first time you haven't been in a church for a while or whatever but I don't want to walk away without giving you an opportunity to say, man, I, I need this Jesus in me. I need his power. I'm not trying to be religious, right? You know what the word religion means? It means to bind. 
It means, the word religion means to do over and over and over again. If you go do dope this week and you do it every, every week, you're religious. You're a religious dope smoker. Okay, so we, everybody's religious, right? We all could be religious. We throw that word around, but then, listen, we all got some religious religion in us, whether you realize it or not. But God wants to, God wants to break you free from religion. He wants to give you life. And that's by his spirit and by his son. So if you're here this morning and you want this, I want to pray. If you're here this morning, I want you just to stand up so I can pray. I know it's a scary thing, but I said, I just need Jesus because Mary wasn't afraid. If, I, if I'm afraid in church, you're going to be afraid outside these doors. Don't be afraid in here. There's a body that loves you and receives you and loves you right now. If you're here this morning, I said, I just, I just need that Jesus for me. Just stand up right now. I want to pray for you. Anybody here? I see you. I see you. Anybody else? I see you. I see you. I see you. Anybody else say, yes, I just need this Jesus. I just need a touch of God this morning. Amen. Amen. Let me, let me, let me pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I come this morning because there, there are brothers and sisters standing and said, I just need this Jesus. And we come believing, Lord, because you have given yourself up for us, that you demonstrated your love for us while we were yet separated sinners far from you. You died for us that we can be near you and you can be in us. I pray for my brothers and sisters this morning that are standing before you this morning and said, I need Jesus. And I pray that you would come in them and fill them up with your spirit right now. I pray that you would touch them right now because when they leave this place, the enemy's going to come and say, it's not real. It was just emotional, all these things. But you know what? Everybody in this room has been touched by Jesus at some point and has transformed their life. Lord, I commit them to you that they would walk and grow and follow you, that they would commit themselves to seek you daily. So I, I'm asking your anointing upon them now, Lord. Thank you. Father, we just added to the kingdom and there's still more room. So we just thank you. We praise you. We honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's give God praise this morning. I just want to share with you that it stood up real quick that, you know, this is just the beginning. This isn't the finish line. Your commitment is not the finish line. It's the starting line. And you got to grow. So I want to encourage you to come, get involved, come and study the Word. We can connect you with somebody, one-on-one -on -one discipleship. We can connect you, teach you what it means to walk with God here at New Vision. Just let us know. But guys, we always, for those that just come on Easter and Christmas, there's more to the story. There's more story in between. So come hear the rest of the story, okay? So you can grow in it. You can walk on it. You can learn on it. Amen? Blessings to you. We're going to partake of communion. Pastor. Thanks again for joining us. Contact us or learn more at our website, newvision.city. See you next time.